0: welcome to cinemaholics a special bonus episode of the show where we are covering the sundance 2021 film festival i'm john negroni from the cinemaholics main show and with me, I have my usual co-host from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, pop culture writer for Cinema Blend. It is Will Ashton. Hello, hello. And our special guest, uh, he's been on Cinemaholics so many times, we're starting to think that he will never leave. It is Corey Woodruff.
1: I don't want to pay rent, but thank you. Welcome.
0: <laughs> Squatter's rights. Uh, coming to us from, of course, Nashville, Tennessee, forgot to mention. Corey, how are you doing? I am good, John. How are you? I'm good. It's always fun to talk to you. Uh, on cinemaholics and beyond and we've we have just come out of it we've come through something pretty pretty unique the three of us we all three of us attended this year's virtual sundance film festival and i believe it was the first sundance for both Corey and will correct it is yeah Mm -hmm. which is great which is great i it's not i think what either of you might have envisioned if you ever considered doing sundance for the first time
2: I was going to be asking about that because I wasn't sure like how this compared to a normal year. I mean, obviously, there's mm-hmm. a little bit more like momentum, like you're going places and like a bunch of people around. And it's probably more like ceremonial and stuff like that. But oh, yeah. the experience of like finding these films and stuff, was that similar or was that also completely different?
0: Was it similar? Um, no, not really. It really okay. I, it's a totally different thing. And uh, we're going to be recapping definitely like our experience with the festival, how the virtual stuff went over and of course we're going to be discussing some of the buzziest movies that came out the fest and our favorites of course and i think between the three of us we we saw almost everything i want to say I, there's probably only like maybe 10 or 15 films that we didn't see i mean, i'm just guessing though
2: uh, yeah i mean there were a few that i missed that i wanted to see like the pink cloud i don't think any of us watched that but i know that one got a good bit of traction maybe strawberry um,
0: mansion i don't think yeah strawberry mansion that.
2: was one i missed yeah. as well um, I believe Corey saw how it ends, but that was one that, I did. yeah, yeah, that was one I wanted to see just out of curiosity. I didn't really get good reviews, mm-hmm. but, uh, I was curious with the cast and, uh, the people involved, but oh, well. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, one thing th- about this festival that did make it very different, um, not just the fact that it's virtual is the fact that this year, more than any other year, this is, this is my third Sundance and, uh, my second year covering it like fully press accredited, uh, but. For me, the most different thing was all the group chats. Uh, I was in way more group chats this year. And I think it's because there's just way more people who got to attend the festival, who got to actually watch the films. So there were way more, there's way more activity. There's way more chatter. Whereas like when you're actually in Park City, I mean, there's just not as many people, you know, like there's people who go, but it's a smaller pool. And for that reason, most of your conversations about the films are happening you know, in line while you're waiting for the films, whereas like the conversation on these group chats was like never ending because people were watching things virtually. So they were able to like multitask and they were able to like watch things, you know, while they were like, you know, maybe like live, you know, messaging people about the films, which uh, I don't know. How how do you feel about that? Well, do you think that was bad overall, like the fact that we didn't have that focused experience where we could just watch the movies and not really get distracted?
2: Um, somewhat. I mean, I, I think one thing that was really interesting about this year is that it was a lot more, a lot of the movies were more broadly available, not just to critics, but to like general people who could buy an online ticket and check it out who weren't in park city. And, you know, like it, it had a little bit of a wider response, I feel like, so that, yeah, it's you know, not like as some of, exclusive. Yeah, yeah. So like some of these movies that might've been in danger of being overhyped kind of got a, um, interesting like a kind of more muted response maybe than some other films that they would have in like previous years where only a small pool of people have seen them and then you know they can say whatever about them and then other people would see them eight or so months down the line and be like, oh that wasn't actually this good or it wasn't like that. This the response felt a little bit more varied for most of these films because of that, which I think is pretty interesting. But yeah, I want to give an example yeah.
0: actually the movie Mass. Like the first wave of that which was like hyper, hyper positive immediately was like hit with that backlash. Whereas like normally it would have probably taken oh, at really? least a couple days. Well, I just feel like people like immediately were like, oh, you know, festival, you know, the altitude is affecting people already. Because I know people were really digging mass as soon as it had premiered. And then a bunch of pe- more people were able to see it like as soon as that happened, because they still had time in their window. Yeah. And people were like, OK, calm down. You know, it's right. not it's not actually like the best film, you know, in a generation. It's actually just, you know, it's good.
2: Yeah, I didn't even I mean I saw it when it premiered so I didn't see that high wave of response, only like kind of like a smaller response to that. But uh, I'll take your word for it. The one I saw where that happened was Prisoners of the Ghostland where like the first like couple responses from critics were like very high as you would expect, like you know like oh this is so wild, it's so crazy. And then surely thereafter we got kind of the you know typical like okay, it's not it's not that movie. It's not this crazy it's not mandy so i find that kind of interesting in that response in that respect yeah, to, yeah. so i i, I did notice it for a couple but i didn't notice it with mass personally
0: do you agree Corey? i mean do you, do you think that's uh this this whole experience was it was it challenging just like like I, I mean okay it's not challenging in the sense like we were comfortable we were able to like watch these films kind of at our leisure a bit but i mean do you think there were some pros and cons to that
1: I think there can be. Um, I think that what this festival style does is it gives you much more autonomy than if you were like on ground in Utah. Like I was thinking I made a schedule before all this started. And very rarely did I actually stick to that schedule unless there was a film like uh, On the Count of Three or Mass yeah. or Prison of the deadline, where I was like, I really want to watch this in this time frame. Um, to kind of be at the point where it's like, this is something I was really looking forward to beforehand. So I'm kind of like, I don't know, like there were some movies where it's like if I had showed up to the theater, I would not have left and I would have stayed and watched it. But I know there were a couple where I was just kind of like, I'm not really into this. I've got plenty of time to hop to something else. The windows are very easy to access. I'm just going to go watch something else. and not worry about it because this is not really my thing early on. Um, and I feel like obviously cell phones are difficult because it's just like when you stare at a a TV screen for 12 hours, like actually during mass, I actually paused the movie for like 30 minutes because it's like, I kind of needed just like a half second to catch my breath because of the intensity. But then like my wife came home and we kind of talked for a second and I restarted the movie. Like, it's just, it's such a weird way to consume film in this way. Cause again, some of these movies will be things we hear about months from now and, I think that the the hype machine of festival reactions. I think some sometimes like it is a bit like hearing like a really fire and brimstone like sermon at church where people get on those like spiritual highs and then you kind of come back to earth and everything kind of calms down. But I feel like that happens every year. Like you know, I remember when Me Earl and the Dying Girl came out and I love, oh, yeah. but like that just got rapturous praise and I think it's wonderful. But you know, and that's like that's going to win Best Picture. It's this new emerging amazingness, and I think Alejandro Gomez Rejón is going to be a really good filmmaker if he finds the right project, but I just, that movie never went anywhere. And I think yeah, pe- people had... thought
0: it was going to be Little Miss Sunshine, oh you absolutely. Know, the prototypical Sundance hit that like everybody's talking about. And then they just sort of assigned that praise onto me yeah. and Earl the Dying Girl a little preemptively.
2: Well, it's partly, I think like the altitude I have to assume, but I think it's also like the idea of like being in this moment where you discover that next great film. Yep. And I think everyone mm-hmm. wants to have that moment. Where it's like, oh, I was there when this happened. Like, I was mm-hmm. here when Little Miss Sunshine premiered or whatever. And it's like, you know, it's easy to get wrapped up in that. I don't know. I haven't, this is my first Sundance, as we mentioned. So I don't, I don't know if that's going to be the case for some of these films like later on, how they're perceived. But it is easy to kind of get wrapped up in that response when you see some of these films for the first time. And, and like mm-hmm. knowing that you see a film that could very well have that response, but most of the time, well,
0: it's, it's totally a thing. It's totally a thing where you watch the film and like, you know, you want it to be like as good as like you're feeling, because then that means that like I I see a lot of like clout chasing, you know, people trying to have the soundbite, the like reaction tweet that is going to, you know, be picked up and everything like that, which is why for me, like I avoided that completely. Like I did, I did some like tweets, like a bit of a thread of like my letterbox reactions, but I was very, very limited. And eventually I just stopped doing it entirely because I just felt like I was in too much danger of like letting because when you're watching all these films like over like back to back you you kind of just start to lose sight you start to lose a little bit of like objectivity you know because like i think fatigue sets sets in in a way that i don't think it sets in when you do like a live film festival because like in a live film festival i just feel like when you go from theater to theater and you have more like decompression in between the films which is hard to do in the virtual sense i think it's a lot easier to like go in with like a clean slate Whereas, like in the virtual film fest, I found myself watching things back to back because I I didn't have time otherwise, and I had times of decompression, but it was like few and far between. I know Will, that was a thing for you too, because yes. like I, I was I, I would hear you be like, oh hey, I just started this this other thing because like you you have no choice, you have four hours.
2: Uh, everything became a movie at that point. Like when <laughs> I went to get lunch, that was uh you know like this groundbreaking new achievement that mm. uh is challenging the norms and all this stuff so um yeah the i mean i break I, won yeah.
0: the uh, the next award <laughs> right
2: exactly yes um but i do think it's interesting that uh i think comparatively to at least last year or the, few, uh, the few other years um this is considered the weaker sundance and i'm curious if it's partly for what you're suggesting john which is that because they it's such a more insulated year where like everyone's kind of processing these movies at once and there's the online reactions. But for the most part, everyone has to kind of like sit with these movies and realize that like, you know, a lot of them are good. Some are very good, but a lot of them are just kind of fine or average. And I'm wondering if that's partly attributed to the fact that it was online and people were just with their own experiences with the films and they didn't have that collective response or see it with a crowd where they they get so like warped up in a movie like that. I'm very curious. if That was mm. part of the reason why that happened.
0: My, my opinion is that I've, I was definitely under the impression that it was one of the weakest Sundance film festivals in recent memory for me. Like, probably the worst one since like 2017. Um, and I say worst just in the sense that it was like a lot of middling films. It wasn't a lot of like, wow, must sees. However, I think the second half of the festival is where that completely changed for me. I think I was just like backloaded or something because literally the last day of the festival, when we were catching like the awards films, I ended up seeing like three films that day that were like, Three of my favorite films of the whole festival that were better than a lot of the films I saw last year. So that's just how it worked out for me. And I think it kind of plays into this whole like tricky territory of like when you're doing this virtually, it just, it's so hard to know what to see when you can't really have like, you know in real life conversations with people at the festival which is such a big part of it because you can be talking to people in real time you can like people overhear your conversations and then they're like oh i saw that here's what i thought of it and now it's instead like people are just going on letterboxd and because they have everything in front of them they're determining what they're going to see only based on like aggregated social media reactions which i think is not great because then i i found myself doing that where i was like well eh, you know this movie has like a bunch of two and a halfs on letterbox i don't know if i want to risk not you know seeing that when i could be like you know using this on-demand screening that i have for this that's about to expire you know what i mean um cory woodruff
1: oh yeah i mean i cannot tell you how many times like i would watch or not watch a movie based on what i was seeing online i mean and what you guys were saying we had a little group chat going on the whole time and like I remember when Wild Indian like had premiered, I remember Will was like, oh, yeah, people are saying this is really, really good. And I was just like, oh, I want to hop into that immediately because, you know, I've got this window here and I don't want to use up one of my like secondary screenings tomorrow. So I'm going to hop on this right now. And it ended up changing where my schedule was going. Um, You know, it's one of those things where just like I, I think people forget that opinion is so varied. And we have such a weird sampling of where people's opinions are. And you have so many factors. I think another factor to really think about with this festival is we've all been watching movies on our TV for an entire year. So it's just like, there are some movies during this festival. And I felt this all through last year where I thought like, is this going to be better if I watch this in a theater? Like, is, am I going to have more of a positive experience engaging with this film if I'm able to see it the way that it was supposed to be seen? And obviously there's nothing you can do about that but i think when i've seen so many this is the first time i've ever done something like this because i I've, I've done the national film festival a couple times and i've seen a lot of movies in a very short span of time but i just i've never engaged with film like this where i have not known a single thing about what i was watching going in outside of very rare, rare you know single reactions and then i'm watching that on my tv for the first time so i just there's a, it's such a weird filter to put on how we're engaging with stuff but I also feel like that there's this strange quandary, right, of what social media is doing to influence when you have so much availability between you to make choices. Because I'm guessing there are so many logistical nightmares of doing this festival on ground to where it's like you don't really have a choice at times. If you hear one thing is good and another thing isn't good and you're there for the other thing, it's like, well, that's like a 15, 20 minute commute. I can't do that
0: yeah you you the theaters are spread out you have to like you know the movies are playing like all across park city and in some some cases even in salt lake city which is like a 30 40 minute drive and it's january so it's it's hard to get around if you don't know how to drive in the snow stuff like that i would say like i really want to say um the two two films i felt that way that you mentioned cory of like i i wonder if i would have liked this more in a theater were prisoners of the Ghostland which I, I really wonder if that would have clicked with me because I, I ended up not caring for it. The the Nicolas Cage one where it's like Mad Max with like, you know, Samurai or whatever. I just, it couldn't hold my attention. And I just found it like very uneven. And the other film is uh, We're All Going to the World's Fair, which I feel like I should love. Like I'm sitting there and I'm watching it and the whole point of that movie is, but I think the whole point of that movie is being sucked in this like dark theater, like a paranormal activity sort of situation. And like, that's where the dread and the horror comes in. But i think like because i'm watching it and you know on this monitor i i'm not you know really like in the right atmosphere for this film to work i guess
2: the one i i this one is going to provoke a reaction out of you john i felt the film where i was like i think i would like this even more if i saw in theaters was one for the road which i
0: knew i I liked
2: it i mean I, i did like the film but i felt like if i saw this in theaters i feel like this would be a more overwhelming experience but watching it at like, you know, 12 o'clock, the last day of the film festival, I felt like I, th- I think part of the burnout might have affected my appreciation for it because it is, you know, like this two and a half hour film that, you know, it, it is pretty taxing to watch at that point. But um yeah, I mean, that I definitely had that there. And and to a lesser extent, I feel like even though I, I really like Judas and the Black Messiah, I feel like I probably would have liked it even more than I already do if I saw it in theaters because that, that was a film that I feel like was made. For the big screen, it felt very odd to see a premiere on a computer screen, at least in my my perspective. But
0: yeah. we, we should actually talk about it. how did you both watch movies? For me, I watched them on an LG 5K display. Uh, so it's like a big it's a big 5K display. And if the movie, if I wasn't liking it that much and I was like group chatting, I was pretty particular. I, I, my rule was I never used my phone. Um, my rule was I always had like the movie playing like half the screen and then I had like the group chat right next to it. So I could do both things and, you know, which I still feel like is a bit of a cheat. I did not do Uh, that that for the films I really liked though. Uh, (laughs) 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 Um, the other thing that I did was, um, I went on walks, uh, so I, I have unlimited data, so I was able to like go on a walk and like watch a movie on the screen if it wasn't like very like cinematography like investing like if it was kind of like a low laid back sort of movie like uh, together together i watched most of that while walking because you know it's the kind of film that's more about the dialogue more about the performances and you know i i promise i looked both ways before i crossed the street but that was cool because i was able to break things up i was able to like exercise (laughs) you know what i mean and uh i i think it really worked out for me because uh i think the films i watched while on a walk i ended up really liking i don't think I disliked almost any of them, uh, but what, what? about you, Corey? What was your What was your format?
1: I've got we've got a Sony Bravia TV, and my wife was very, very gracious to let me dominate our couch um, for like the last few days uh, and almost a week early. Um, and I kind of did a mix of like casting it off my phone on the Sundance app, and then through my um, computer through uh, AirPlay. Um, so it was. It was kind of like how I've been watching movies. So, you know, obviously I haven't been to the movies in forever, like an actual sense. So I've just gotten so used to watching movies at home and you kind of had to force yourself to do that, you know, long, long ago. But um, I just it was weird. It's so weird. Like Will was talking about Juice and the Black Messiah. It's like I went to Tenet in a the theater and I remember I saw that trailer in theaters. And I'm like, that would be such an amazing movie to see. With the sound and the, just the performance, like in that big way, and you know, I ended up watching it like you know on my television, um, you know, and like late later in the day. So it was just it was a strange, strange way of engaging with film that way.
0: Yeah, I, I I wanted to watch things on a TV, but I just couldn't because uh, my my partner like usually works in our living room because of COVID. So uh, would would not have been very fair to her. So I uh, but I, I had a whole office to myself to watch all of these. It was very comfy and cozy. I had my space heater, so I was very content. What about you, William Tyler? I, I know that you probably watched most of these from the Pittsburgh uh, library.
2: Yeah, pretty much. Um, no, I, I, I watch these all of, yeah, all of these on my computer. Um, I, I probably have the, the setup to watch them on my TV, but I, I wasn't 100 percent sure. And I didn't want to risk like, you know, like some tech mishap or something like that. Or if uh, my family wanted to use a TV for whatever reason. So I just decided to watch them all on my computer, which is a bit of a bummer only because like some of these movies, I think I would have preferred seeing on a screen that wasn't uh, a few inches uh, wide, but um, I, I mean, I, I think seeing them by myself uh, in like kind of like a uh, basement area here was at least interesting in that I could feel the Park City uh, experience of being cold <laughs> and uh, you know, like. If a movie wasn't that good i could i could kind of feel that that miserable experience of like being cold and and frustrated with a film that i wasn't quite connecting with and stuff which i think is probably the closest i could get from my home to the park city experience at least based on what you have told me in the past john so i absolutely. did my best yeah
0: absolutely all right um we're going to talk about our favorite films of the festival then we'll end with like just a general like overall that what the film is kind of meant to you in like more of a general sense but Before we talk about the really good stuff, was there one or two films you want to say that maybe disappointed you a lot uh, or are so bad that it's actually worth mentioning? Uh, We'll start with you, Corey. I I don't know. I I don't remember you disliking things that much, although I I remember you mentioning a few that you did not care for.
1: It's tough. Um, One of the movies I was really excited to see was How It Ends. Um, I like Zoe Lister-Jones a lot. I think she's a very talented actress. I think that her voice is very... It's very refined for where she is in her writing career. Um, and I was very curious to see what she would bring to the table. It's clearly one of the movies that was shot during the pandemic. So obviously we're going to, we're about to see just a boatload of movies that are based on the pandemic. Um, it's going gonna, it's gonna to change the way a lot of narrative storytelling is just done because you're, you're going to have like, oh, it's going to be this quirky comedy about people who fall in love during a pandemic. It's, just, it's just going to be that across the board but this film like tries to use the cleared streets in LA and everything to like mimic like an end of the world scenario. Um, And it sounded really good on paper, but it's just one of those things where I imagine that like the production was very enjoyable and the ideas popped on the page when they wrote it. And it was great getting like all these cameos in place and, you know, kind of, they kind of just let it run the way it was, but I just didn't think the film really connected at all with what it was trying to do with like a bunch of inside humor, which to me is kind of the, main pratfall for a film like this is that like you think this is funny but i may not think this is funny Uh, i thought it was paced strangely Uh, some of this the 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 humor didn't really work and and again lister jones is a very talented actress in comedy and like you know she can hold her own with a lot of material but she was really one of the only parts about the movie like her performance i thought worked there was like a weird meta textual plot going on at the same time like i just i don't know it wasn't really my bag and then i don't know i was very careful about what i watched i think that was one of the things this festival where it was like if i saw something not getting good notices i just did not want to waste my time with it so i i I had a really nice success rate (laughs) because i only saw
0: i worry about that though Corey, because there were some that i saw that i was cautioned against and told by one for example will ashton that wouldn't (laughs) be good and i was like well will i think for myself bro and I ended up seeing them. They ended up being some of my favorite films in a generation. So, you know, it, it's just all about Corey. Sometimes you just got to take that risk. You do. I, I do.
1: And if I had, like, if I did not have so much to do during the week after the week, because the weekend I watched everything I wanted. Like, I got through as much as I possibly could. It just like oh, when yeah. the work week gets and it's just like crap. Like,
0: I, I would love to just block I, out. I my took life. the week off. I just, That's you know,
1: I might have, I, now that I think back, I wish I would have had more time to like, engage with everything because you're right like i think that is a legitimate downfall to this is that like there is no room for discovery like there were very rarely films and i think that's because you have such an like availability in front of you there's just so many options to choose from Where it's just so like was, i don't yeah,
0: fear do missing stuff. out phone yeah, exactly. it was big it was huge like worse than Absolutely. like being in person
1: But, um, it's interesting. And I kind of am with Will on first date. Like I I liked Tyson Brown a lot in his like performance, but I thought that film was obviously kind of cloying in the way that it's just so obviously referencing other stuff. Um, but that's also a movie where it's like, I'm not really going to remember much about it in like a week. Like it's just kind of a, it's kind of a blip on the radar, but those are the only two that's legitimately the only two films where I'm kind of like, I don't really think that was that good. Everything else I saw was either like good to great.
0: All right. What about you, Will? I mean, I know there's a couple that, uh, you did not care for and i think we share one of them but i'll let you yeah
2: that. um i mean there are only two films i saw that i thought were genuinely like top to bottom bad uh one i think was meant to be bad so I, I i'm kind of uh wrestling with how i should approach it and the other one i i think as corey mentioned was first date which i think was trying to be this kind of cutesy uh, you know, nostalgic film that was referencing a bunch of filmmakers. And I, I seem to be on the outskirts because most of the people I've seen responding to it are, are, you know, not overwhelmingly positive, but they're like, yeah, it's cute, it's fun. And I just don't know what movie they saw because the the movie I saw was just uh I, I found very tedious and frustrating and uh full of itself in a way that, that that I found pretty insufferable. But like Corey said, I do think that lead performance in that film. Does carry uh, some decent weight and, and helps uh, gloss over some of the difficulties I had with the narrative and the supporting characters. But uh, the movie that I think you're referring to, John, is uh, and I gotta make sure I, I say this right so I don't swear on the air. But Mother Schmucker's, which you did is it. the um, yes, the I think it was French, right? The French uh, comedy yeah. that that's trying to be, from what I can tell, basically John Waters' Dumb and Dumber, which on paper sounds amazing. It, it uh, like, like I, I think us. that that sounds like this. Yeah, it sounds like a fun like especially, you know, late in the festival or late night into the festival. You know, I get this fun. It's 70 minutes. It could be really goofy and silly and sweet. And it's obviously trying to go for this like sort of transgressive anti PC comedy, which I think I almost want to give it credit for being as like deliberately stupid as it wants to be. And so against good taste and everything that it's trying to do. But I, I ultimately just found it was crass for the sake of being crass. And it's like, after a point, it's just like... it, it Any sort of, like, quote-unquote shocks that were supposed to be elicited kind of got dull just because the movie just has no, like, real desire to do anything besides being, uh, you know, like, cloying and, like, cutesy and poking the bear, basically. And uh, I don't know. I just, I just found it to be... Uh, Nothing really worthwhile and mm-hmm. I, I can see why it's got such a, you know, overwhelmingly negative response I'm not quite as negative on it as you and a few others are but uh, Ultimately, I, I can see why that was considered the worst of fes And it would be for me if I didn't yeah. see first date um,
0: Yeah, it, yeah. It, the only reason I gave it so on letterbox I gave it one star. I didn't give it half because at least it was only an hour and ten minutes That was it that is was very sure like one saving grace. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this movie is just awful easily the worst film i've ever seen at sundance like i far and away just terribly terribly acted terribly like the staging is horrible there's no coherence to it it's just it's just trying to be stupid for the sake of it and that can be okay in some contexts but yeah no i <laughs> this movie i think people should actively like steer clear from unless like they i i mean i i know there's an audience for it out there but like nobody i know so i'll put it that way um for me yeah i mean that was the only one i outright disliked like heavily disliked i mean there were just some films that i thought were more mediocre than they deserved to be you know and there were some films i was really surprised like really disappointed in like uh, glitch in the matrix uh which was the last film i saw uh because i saw that today um after the fact and i just was like my word like how is like my philosophy course from my sophomore year in college, more insightful about the matrix than this documentary with a great budget and really great, like, you know, techniques and and ideas and they not ideas, but I guess like the way they sort of like illustrate their points, but I've just never been more like underwhelmed by a documentary with this heavy, this kind of like subject matter. Like, it's all about simulation theory. And I just, I found it to be completely like dense with itself. It like dovetails into like, you know, this whole other, like true crime thing that I'm like okay that's not okay like if you're gonna if you're gonna bring these things up like discuss them analyze them bring people on who have something insightful to say about them besides like basic platitudes you can read on reddit like that just felt this felt to me like a very generic you know reddit post and just like a sampling of all the comments like I, I found it very odd and I, I really disliked the the overall message of like what they think the matrix really represents which I think is like just so basic um, so I, I, had a pretty poor reaction to it. Other than that though, you know, <laughs> lots of really good documentaries and, um, you know, I, I already mentioned, I was pretty disappointed in prisoners of the ghost land and, I uh, already mentioned, um, we're all going to the world's fair, which are films that I think in theory really work. And I, I appreciate yeah, I like them, them so much, yeah. but I, I hope they find their audience, you know, I, I yeah. hope people see them and, and like them more than I did. Uh, one, one that really let me down though, was uh, marvelous in the black hole, which has like a great real reproman performance it has like so many so many great things going on but it just makes it's like forced errors or unforced errors it just like there's weird like random violence it doesn't know if it wants to be like a a tween film or just like this bizarrely randomly dark film at times it was very odd
2: well for me i felt like there are two films that throughout the festival felt like your quintessential Sundancey type movies or at least your quintessential coming of age Sundancey movies. One was Coda, which won the Grand Jury Prize, which I'm sure we'll talk about more in a little bit. It's the and big the other, one. And the other one was Marvellous Marvellous in the Black Hole. And um I think for me like I think they have similar issues but Coda was able to be a little bit more unique and heartfelt and uh not to say that Marvellous in the Black Hole isn't heartfelt, but like it had I think a little bit more going for it in a way that even though it had those cliches and those familiar tropes, it was able to overcome them with such like beautiful performances and these moments that really do m- emotionally work. And I know a lot of people really did like Marvelous and Black Hole, and I'm not going to try to take that away from them. But for me, it felt like it had the same issues. But I just didn't have much out of. I didn't get much out of it beyond thinking like, yeah, Rhea Perlman, great actress. This is a great performance. Magic scenes are fun. Otherwise, it just kind of felt like a ho hum, quintessentially. Uh, mundane Sundancey movie that's that favors being cute over really saying anything unique or profound. So yeah. I ultimately found it to be a similarly uh, disappointing experience.
0: That's that's enough negativity though. We we've been so negative. Let's talk about the good stuff. You know, um, I and mean, first, you know, say how many films you saw. Uh, for me, I saw. I, I thought I was going to see more. I saw 38. Um, I miscounted, <laughs> but you know, 38. That's like a few more than I saw last year, which kind of is mind boggling to me that I. I, I saw just as many like in person. I, I don't know how that happened. But um, regardless, uh, th- this is one of those years where there were fewer films than ever. And uh, we're not ranking, you know, anything You're just sort of like bring bring something up that you feel like you want to get off your chest. Could be your absolute favorite. Could be one of your favorites. Uh, Corey, we'll, we'll start with you starting with. Yeah. How many did you see? And uh, which one do you want to bring up first that uh, warmed your Sundance heart?
1: i saw i feel like a lightweight here i saw 22 which uh, to my wife makes her eyes want to like pop out of her head being like how many movies did you watch um but then it's like well i know people watching in their 30s like it's strange but like i feel like that's tremendously a lot of movies um compared to normally like you know to my normal slate of how i watch things um but uh I would like to have seen, but I don't know. I feel like I, I saw everything I had a strong desire to see, which is kind of what I would hope out of a festival like this. So I kind of got everything off my list. I was like super excited about. Um, but there's one movie that, I mean, it's, there are, there are a handful of movies I saw that I think are legitimately great films. Um, I think they're movies I'm going to be thinking about all year long. Like I remember I texted a friend after watching one of these where I was just kind of like, if I don't see anything else for the rest of this year and that's my favorite movie, like I'm going to be set. And that was on the count of three. Um, I think that film is absolutely magnificent. And it's one of those things where it's like, I kind of wanted to check myself a few days later. Like, what do you think about this? Did you get that festival bump from this? And I I genuinely think it's a great film. Um, I don't think it's, you know, perfect, but like, then again, I feel like that's a silly qualifier in general. Like I just, it's just such a risk. Like it could have been a disaster. Like I genuinely feel like that film could have been like a day the clown cried level disaster um, if they had handled it improperly. Like a film that didn't just would not get distributed uh, in in any way, shape or form. Um, But it's just got such a tender heart dealing with such just bleak subject matter. And the fact that it finds just this just dangerous level of satire and looking at desperation, but it buoys that with so much hope and really undercuts why the satire works. And um, Gerard Carmichael, I think, is going to be a legitimate force um, in directing. I think he is incredibly talented. Um, I think his voice is so unique. Um, There's not a ton of people, I feel like, that are working in that type of space. Um, He he does. He reminds me of what Hiramari is doing in Atlanta. I mean, it reminds me of that level of just like... I don't know. I feel like people say like WandaVision's like David Lynchian, but to me it's legitimate like going back to Lynch's roots and looking at the way that he kind of unfolded his realities and the types of observations he would make about the world around him. Um, I just...
0: definitely was not thinking of David Lynch during On the Count of Three. Interesting. (laughs) At all. Interesting. Yeah. I don't know. I didn't think of David Lynch either. (laughs) I I was was thinking of like classic like 80s buddy comedies, but like mixed with like an A24 sensibility. Um, interesting
2: yeah i was I, I was thinking along the lines of um like you said atlanta but like with a kind of safty brother edge to it yeah yeah, that was my, that. yeah that
1: was there's awesome. definitely like a safty blend in there but i don't know i blue valentine came to my mind blue valentine blue velvet popped in my mind when i was, I was like about
0: it. to say michelle williams really oh, yes yeah, exactly. i mean the same hair color
1: The of film okay. i mean they're both very tragic films
2: i would have to say <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> but um i don't know that one is like if I had to pick one, well, there are a handful of people, I think, that are going to come out of this festival um, that are going to have very advantageous directorial careers. Um, but I, that one just hit me with a shovel. Just It's just such a beautiful, but it's just, it's bold. And I just feel like that when you take risks like that with telling stories that could potentially be so problematic, if you pull it off and you pull it off with such grace and such tact, it's just like, I can't like I, I can't wait for that to get distributed and that to find its audience. Like, I don't think it's an awards film or anything, but like it will easily be one of my favorite movies when the year is said and done. I just I can cannot say enough yeah. good things about it.
0: I think I think it's probably gonna come out in the summer and it's it's gonna find definitely like yeah. a more avant-garde audience, like The typical A24 fashion. I I could see it being like the uncut gem slot of like the holiday season, but I don't think it's an awards film, like you said. Um, Not that it shouldn't be, but yeah. I mean, it's it's one of those movies, and I think all three of us consider it one of our favorites. Not to speak for Will, but yeah. I mean, it, it was the first film I saw at Sundance where I was like, okay, this is like what I came here for. Coda was the first thing I saw, and you know, I really enjoyed Coda. Coda is like an obvious, like, of course, like it's a big crowd pleaser. I enjoyed watching it a lot. I had a lot of personal, you know, flavor with it and I really appreciate it. But on the count of three is like, you know, the kind of movie that like makes me like feel alive, you know, like makes me, I mean, you know, no, no uh, pun intended. Right. But I think like what it showcases with Jared Carmichael as a emerging filmmaker here is first of all, he is fantastic at getting really great dramatic performances out of comedians you know, as a comedian himself, uh, I think what he's able to do with like Tiffany Haddish and Henry Winkler, who they've done dramatic turns before, but I think sometimes in other films and and properties, uh... it can be kind of hard to like get people to not think of like their more infamous characters, comedic Mm -hmm. characters. And Carmichael is just like, as a director, I think he's just really good at like breaking through that and like bringing out like real people out of, you know, these performances, I guess.
2: Yeah. And also J.B. Smooth as well. And I think oh, yeah, yeah. Um, J.B. Smooth and Henry Winkler, it's so fascinating to me about their casting is that they play totally against their image. Like they're they're both playing characters that are way against like what you expect. Like, you know, like this is way different than what you'd see from uh, J.B. Smooth on Curb Your Enthusiasm or like Henry Winkler, even on his darker stuff like Barry, like he, it's just a completely different character than what we're used to seeing. Yeah. And so, I think, great effect. And uh, yeah, that's that's one of the many things I would champion about the film for sure.
0: It's, it's a really good one. Um, before we move on, though, uh, is there anything else you wanted to add, Will, about On the Count of Three? I mean, is it one of your favorites, yep. too? Or, yeah.
2: It is my favorite. Yeah. I mean, of the ones I saw, like, I think the best made film that I saw at the festival was Judas and the Black Messiah. Like, I think everything about that was Fire in All Cylinders. It's such a furious, commanding film that uh, I, I think that's going to get a lot of recognition and deservedly so uh for me personally though my favorite film like the one that affected me the most emotionally the one that just like you said like that that was that quintessential sundance experience of, like okay this is the movie like this is the type of movie i came to see at this festival uh that was that movie and and like you were saying like uh cory where everything about it could have easily fallen apart at any given moment it's like this kind of like uh uh, house of Cards, where it's like everything about it could easily just crumble if they they took a wrong step or did a wrong thing, and that's not to say it's perfect. Like there are a couple, you know, like there's a couple moments where it's trying to be kind of edgy that I it didn't work for me or kind of soured the tone a bit. And uh, there's a couple of things that that happen towards the end that I'm sure are going to divulge into some heavy think pieces. But yeah. um, I, I think what it does so well is so astoundingly good that it, it just works. It it just goes against all perceived knowledge of like what you would think it could do and just becomes even better I don't want to hype it up too much because I imagine some people are going to see this in a few months and be like oh it wasn't that great or like oh it was good it was amazing because I've seen that response from some people and I understand that because it is you know it's a difficult film because it deals with uh, very heavy subject matters in a kind of light and flippant way, so I can understand if it's not going to appeal to everyone, but for me personally, I was like, okay, this is this is my bag, this is definitely the type of film I like, and I'm just so very happy that it worked as well as it did, and uh, once again, I think it proves that Christopher Abbott, no offense to Adam Driver, is the, the best Girls alumni, I think he is doing some of the best work, some of wow. the most interesting work. Huh. Uh, I love Adam Driver too, I think he's a fantastic actor, but
0: Chris Abbott's a secret weapon for indie movies. You put him in your movie and it's like, I don't know. He takes it to an 11, I think.
2: Yeah. I mean, he's, he's just doing some really great stuff and I mean, he's thriving right now, I think. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'm I'm really excited to see his career go forward. And like you two were saying, I'm very excited to see if Gerard Carmichael continues to make a film, uh, continues to direct films i mean uh because i would be very excited to see his directorial career after yeah. this but i think no matter what i'm go gonna yeah <laughs> yeah sure. i mean no matter what he does i'm, I'm very curious to see what he does because he's, he's such a boundary pushing comedian and entertainer that it's clear that he's going to have a pretty outstanding career and and yeah that's that's one of many reasons why this was my favorite film of the festival
0: back to christopher abbott i did see him in another film uh world to come which is oh, yeah. like the annual or i guess biannual at this point get it um mm-hmm. A lesbian period romance I mean, it's every year i mean it's it's becoming like every a thing months. of like white white lesbian period romance it's yeah. like it's a lot i mean we just had ammonite tiff you yeah. know it's just like I, i'm confused you know and he's really good in the movie by the way uh he's like very a, good he's very very like it's despicable in it sure. um but my word i i I don't know what's going on. I, I think one one movie we didn't see that like kind of plays is supposed to play with that a little bit was uh I don't think either of you saw R J or whatever it is or Romeo oh, Juliet R hashtag plus J, thing.
2: yeah yeah uh, no I I there were there were a couple films that when I saw them on the program I was like I am yeah, just yeah. going to stay clear of this no thanks and one of them was that it just was like <laughs> you know Romeo and Juliet for the TikTok crowd and I was just like yeah yeah, yeah. nope. <laughs> You can have that one. That's not for me.
0: <laughs> you don't have to see everything. Oh, yeah. Will, how many films did you see?
2: Oh, I saw 43 films. But uh, keep in mind that I saw six in advance. So if you tally that up, like it, it, it probably was about like, 37, 38 films during the actual week of the festival. So I'm, I'm about the same as where you were. But
0: I saw one in advance and then I saw one after. OK, so, so we, we saw well.
2: about the same Throughout the week, I guess we, we were oh, on margin kind of error. Way. Yeah, sure
0: <laughs> Well, it was hard because uh, there were some days where I was able to watch like I think the most I watched in a day was eight And which I yeah, think was here. a record for me I don't think I've ever watched eight in a day before I, I know I've seen seven
2: I don't advise it. I mean, it's I not just good. yeah I was gonna say if you if you have the opportunity to watch six or eight films in a, a day I, I would maybe consider what you're doing because <laughs> yeah. after a point you're just like yeah, you're just a little tapped out but well, I thought I was
0: going to uh, yeah. see more, but what ended up happening was like the last couple of days, the more films I was seeing were longer than I expected. So like they were eating up more time and I was like, oh, I actually don't have time to see uh, all the films I want to. It, it ended up working out because like the last couple of films I saw were some of my favorites. So there you go. Um, you mentioned Judas and the Black Messiah and and refresh my memory, Corey. I don't I don't think you said you saw this one or am I wrong? I
1: did right at the uh, that was one of the last films I watched. Um, I was able okay. to get in on Wednesday.
0: Um, that's one of my favorites. I, I, you know, like will, I just thought it was terrific. I mean, it's just, you know, you already mentioned it. I think this is like one of Kaluuya and Stanfield's best performance. And it's, it's crazy because like that's saying a lot (laughs) with these two guys. Um, and I think this is Stanfield's movie. I think that he kind of owns it. And I was looking into some of the history behind the film afterward. And I was like, Oh my word. Like I thought some of it was, was way more fictitious than it actually is. But I mean, it, it really does like cover a lot of like real events that I was not aware of at all, which, you know, I was aware of like Fred Hampton and the black Panthers and, you know, we kind of were reminded that would trial Chicago seven and everything where I think like uh, Calvin Harrison jr played Fred Hampton, a very small role, Mm -hmm. but seeing it played out like this, I was pretty blown away. It was directed by uh, Shaka King. Um, are either of you familiar with uh, Shaka King's work?
2: I know of Newly Weeds, which I believe is the film he made before this. I, I remember hearing about it when it premiered at Sundance, but I did not see it.
0: Um, He's interesting. He was a uh, he was a guidance counselor who like oh, yeah. started off. Yeah, he would like start off like curating like art festivals and stuff. Huh. And yeah, he just he gradually became a filmmaker and yeah, he's made a few um, on top of Newly Weeds. Like uh, uh, I think. Um, mulligans or something like that and you know just some some small small things but uh yeah he's very cool um yeah so okay cory woodruff what, yes. what's your what's your next favorite what's your what's another one that you uh i
1: it's it's tough because like there were so many interesting narrative films and i don't think i'll just go ahead and bring it up i think having a discussion like a mini one on mass would be interesting um uh, we're gonna talk maybe about some of my docs i liked later but um, mass to me is oh, such a fascinating sermon has begun yes it has <laughs> uh yeah all uh, rise um but uh i i don't know that one really hit me in the jaw like it's like one of those weird things where it's just like i think that's a very easy movie to come out of and just come out with just it's just like kind of even irresponsible level of just like exaltation over like this is the best picture I don't know, that's just not my thing but um i i I think it's a genuinely brilliantly acted film and i think that like as i'm looking back on it i'm like those are some outstanding performances and i just did not think that frying Kranz from cabin in the woods and who's kind of worked with joss whedon some over the years and i I didn't think that was the guy that was going to deliver i think probably one of the better films i've seen recently to deal with like relevant world issues i guess like in such a direct way that where it's literally having an open dialogue about like how, you know, the concept is a family of a child that was killed in a mass shooting kind of after some years confronts after some time in, a, in like a very open way, the, the parents of the child who shot their son and killed them. At um, the
0: rest of the film's main character, of course, Linda, who yes. we, she, she may not be in every scene, but she haunts the entire picture
1: is that the uh is that the lady at the church yeah yeah yeah, Sorry. yeah.
0: making a joke
2: her, her snacks uh are, are key <laughs> and crucial to the film's sustenance <laughs> in, in, in many key ways that we
1: just have the movie, scene yes. where he goes over and i don't know I, I that movie it's tough i mean it's like one of those things where i think there are like moments here and there where kranz like tries to show that he knows like how to direct outside of just like shooting performance I think it's actually a pretty strong direction for just letting these people go off but I don't know I think that movie has this just valuable sense of just like being able to acknowledge just the unquestionable just mess of what happens when you know the worst thing in the world possibly comes into your lap and how do you deal with that and I, I gotta say like I think that Jason Isaac's really good Martha Plimpton comeback is here I think she's going to legitimately get some more work because of this performance alone.
0: Raising uh, Hope, no, yes. she's like, raising hell.
1: I liked Raising Hope. Um, you know, but Anne Dowd. I, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I don't know of an actress right now who scares me more than Anne Dowd. Um,
0: no, after her re- character movie, actress Margot Martindale,
1: she's great. Now Margot's my girl, but Margot doesn't scare me quite like Anne Dowd. How, does. how is there not a
2: movie where they they play sisters or something at this
1: point? Oh my like, god, like, yeah, it's true. I would watch that movie like 18 times. Like, just, oh, please give it to me. But um, she is transformative in this. Like, I I hate doing the the Oscar handicapping this early. But, like, if she winds up getting a supporting actress nomination next year, it's, like, well-deserved. Like, it wouldn't surprise me at all. Because she is, to me, one of the most valuable character actresses we have. What she is able to do to mix in just this urgent sense of dread through just kind of like this very casual like her character and hereditary is still like to me i think that was almost the scariest part of that movie just the way she slowly yeah. steeped into that family's life and just the way she would react to things but in this film it's just the uncomfortableness of having you know the way she plays the mother of the shooter and how she tries to bring in empathy when as an audience member you don't want to feel it it's just like this but it's just like but that's the that's the difficulty of the film is that it's trying to get you to have these really uncomfortable conversations within yourself. And, you know, it, it's definitely, I think, going to hit some people different ways because of the way it's staged. It does feel like a play. It does feel like something you would go, you know, see off Broadway somewhere, you know, but I, I just, it's such an interesting, interesting movie. Um, And I think it deals with the subject matter so effectively, but I got to say, if I had to pick one performance out of Sundance, it
0: would be Dowd. Great movie, I, I really enjoyed it, and I, you know, I do think it'll probably get some awards recognition as you know at some point. It's weird to me though; it doesn't feel like a Sundance movie to me. It feels like a TIFF kind of thing, but uh, I don't know. I've never uh, been. I was gonna to say some. Tribeca. Could see Tribeca like, for sure,
2: or like New York Film Festival or something like that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, but okay. Will, what's uh, what's your next favorite you got for us?
2: Um. Well, yeah, like I said, um, after the Count of Three, I'd put Judas and *The Black Messiah*, but after that, I would have to say. Uh, my my favorite documentary of the festival, and like you were saying, John, there, there are quite a few documentaries that premiered at this that this year's uh, festival that I thought were quite good or at least very interesting. But the one that unsettled me or got me like the most like shook up in some way or another was the one that I think is going to probably be among the most divisive, which is All Light Everywhere, which is the really? uh, huh. um, surveillance film that uh, – I forget the filmmaker's name off the top of my head, but um, – that's a. Yeah, I thought right.
0: we were going to talk about President. I, I
2: like, like President like a it. lot. Yeah, I mean, President is in my top five as well.
0: Okay, um, I think it's Theo Anthony, by the way.
2: Theo Anthony. Yeah, that's it. Um, yeah, I mean, and, and I would say President, not to give anything away, but I would say that film. Sorry, my phone's ringing. Um, uh, that film is uh the one that knocked out Crypto Zoo for my top five. They're uh,
1: watching you, Will.
2: Yes. Um, but all light everywhere. This is such a like. Dense, uh, hypnotic and very unruly type film that I imagine some people are going to write it off instantly as being, you know, like whatever, like pretentious or indulgent or, you know, unseemly in some fashion or another. And, you know, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. I don't don't really care. But I will say that when the movie started, I was watching this at like uh, 11 or 12 at night after four or five days of the festival. And I was like dead tired. Like I I could barely keep my eyes open. I, I thought I might not be able to finish it. And by the end of it, I was, like, wired. Like, I was up for, like, two hours afterwards just because, like, what this movie was doing. It just it just got me under me, got on my skin and just, like, you know, gave me a jolt. And uh, I, I think it's the filmmaking. I think it's the, the topics that are being discussed. I think it's the the boldness of how it's approaching it in such a, like, kind of, like, theoretical, theological, you know, philosophical way that, you know, is asking all these deep questions and, and approaching it in a way that's so layered and and uh thematic that um i don't know i i could definitely see this one being a uh a divisive film as it goes along but something about the like um the like uh claudoscopy or what's the word um uh i forget what it is but it it uh, it just it did number on me and i i think it's one of the movies that got the most of a visceral reaction from me and and i'm very excited to see what the response is because it
0: it did a number on me certainly I, th- I thought, I think kaleidoscopic is a pretty good characterization. There it is. Yeah. Kaleidoscopic. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I liked this one. Didn't love it. I, I think for me, it's like my characterization of it is it's basically like a MoMA exhibit, but like as a movie or like if you've ever been to like any MoMA sort of atmosphere and you've watched sure. like one of the like mini movies they have, it's like if they did like a whole feature length film,
2: which that, that sells it to me. Like, I think that's fantastic, but I can I think, see that. I think that's for me, it's too for long someone. for that sure. kind of thing.
0: I guess, so yeah. I didn't really I didn't feel like I was retaining all you, you mentioned it was dense I think just for me and maybe some others. It's just it's a lot without any through line So that's why I was kind of like ah
2: uh. I guess I don't I thought there was but I, I think it's not it's not directly through line it, It's a lot of things that that seem kind of inconsequently uh, Misconnected but I, to me thinking back on it I, I thought they all tied together in a really fascinating way, but it's definitely unconventional Which I think is going to oh, yeah. upset some people but um, I think Corey, you saw this one as well, right?
1: I did. Um, it's, I think it's startling. I mean, I, I think that what it does is uh, what I think it's just what I love about documentary filmmaking and just this, I, and that, I, it feels like a very roundabout form of investigative journalism um, with the way that I think it just so openly studies like police body cameras are huge. Like that's kind of like the fixed point in which he's kind of studying and builds around that. And, Just the fact that we might not be equipping police officers with body cameras that are necessarily going to help depict truth in those moments, like especially when things get violent, just like puts, you know, scorpions under my skin. Just like that terrifies me to think that you can, that you know, that there are powers that are working to help subvert technology to make it more appealing for people to purchase that might, you know. Favor situations and you know skew narrative in a way that kind of helps those in power. And I think that's just like because it goes back and studies how the camera and the gun are kind of interlinked, and just the dangerous of the dangers of surveillance, the dangers of not being able to fully understand what you're looking at. And I just it's not a film that I think you can just like close your eyes and point to something and then just be like, let's talk about this because I think it just encompasses so many different ideas about surveillance, about the rolling of you know the way we look at technology, but I just, I admire so much the boldness in which it just like throws some stuff out there. That's legitimately disconcerting. But I will say the only thing about it is that like, I wish it would have dove into some of the stuff more because if you're trying to make an argument that this push to put body cameras on police officers could be faulty because the technology could be skewed. I I feel like I could have used more room to expand there.
2: Sure. That's fair. I mean, I will say For me, I'd rather at this point in my life see a film that overreaches and does more than it can really chew on and and tries to tackle a bunch of different things at once than a film that's content to just be small scale and just kind of do like something expected, I guess. I mean, that's not to say that those type of films are bad, I'm just saying for me personally, I think I'm I'm more willing to indulge a film like this just because I, I like that it's exploring all these different topics. And it's it's challenging all these different things, and it talks about many different things I've never really thought or considered to this much uh, intensity. And so, I don't know. I I I really enjoyed it. I thought it worked really well. I can see why it's not going to do it for everybody, but uh, yeah, that was my favorite of the documentary selections for sure.
0: Hey, there were there were some fantastic documentaries uh, for sure. Uh, My favorite documentary was Summer of Soul, which uh, was one of the last ones I saw. Um, it, in parentheses, it's or when the revolution cannot be televised. And this one, I was like blown away by this. It's it's one of those movies about like forgotten history, you know, like when something happens. But because it's it's coming out of it's like the prototypical story of Harlem because it's about like the Harlem musical fest music festival that was happening during Woodstock. And it was filmed and it was this fantastic thing. But Woodstock ate up all the publicity and it just was like lost to history until now. And th- this was the, the Sundance film that like got me out of my seat. You know, I was like dancing, you know, in the room, just like the music is tremendous. I can't believe how well filmed it is and how Questlove was able to just like stitch this thing together from all this archival stuff. And it's just such a shame that it it had to be released, you know, like 50 years or 60 years actually uh, after the event itself, because they they just couldn't release it, and it's just such a beautiful, wonderful watch. Uh, if you if you like, it's not really a concert film, um, in the traditional sense, but it's definitely a film that like it's it music is all the way through it, and uh, particularly like uh, Nina Simone's like portion of it is just like jaw dropping. Uh, it's just it's just one of those documentaries that I think is near perfect. Like I I wouldn't change a thing about it, honestly. Um, and I, I think Will, you saw it too, right?
2: Yeah, I saw this one um, pretty early on, uh, and I, I liked it quite a bit too. It, it's easily in my top ten. I'd probably, if I had to rank it, I'd probably put it um, seven, like right, right after Crypto Zoo. Um, I, I really enjoyed it a lot. I think it's easily one of the most entertaining films of the festival, and, and for many of the reasons you mentioned, I think it just captures this this moment in history that has mostly been forgotten, or in many cases has. Been completely forgotten because I, I mean, obviously, I didn't know anything about it, and I imagine most people who go into it won't either. But, um, there's, yeah, there's just so many individual moments that that stand out to me, particularly one involving a montage with the uh, moon landing, uh, in conjunction with the, yeah. uh, the, the, um, music festival that is just one of my favorite, fe- favorite moments of any of the movies we saw at the festival, just for, uh, just for, for what it's able to accomplish and how it's able to show this point in history. And it shows to me that. Questlove, he isn't just lucky that he has this footage. Like, he clearly has some talent and some passion as a filmmaker that suggests that, he, you know, if he if he wanted to pursue this more, he could probably do some really interesting and uh, cool things as a filmmaker. And And I'm excited to see if that's the case. But yeah, as far as this film itself, uh, I think it's definitely a lot of fun. And, and I'm very glad that Hulu bought it because I think it'll, it'll do well in their service.
0: So, a lot of you listening, you know, you've probably caught on at this point where you're like, hmm, that's strange. It seems like every movie John talks about, will scene too and here's why here's what kept happening throughout the festival i would watch something and be like i like this and then this wasn't summer soul by the way obviously um it's the other way around but then will would be like all right i'm gonna watch this movie now and then he would break my heart and be like the movie sucks john you were wrong about it so this happened 10 15 times i I think
2: twice uh no actually (laughs) sorry i think it only happened once Uh... in any like in a sense that like you saw something were floored by it or loved it and I saw it and I didn't like it. I think the film you're referring to is superior, which yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's there's Wild Indian, which admittedly I saw before you, which I, I also didn't like, but you did, um, and Corey liked it as well, from what I can tell. But um, I, yeah, I, that, I don't know
0: yeah. what was going on with Wild Indian. That's in my top ten for sure. Uh, I, I that movie know. is terrific. I I was like, I I don't know. I I feel like we're still working through that one. I I want to understand. Um, why, I know I'm why not all, for you.
2: I, I know I'm not alone on it because the reactions I saw on Letterboxd were pretty mixed, but. I don't know. I'm glad you guys got something out of it. I I didn't get whatever you you two saw out of it and like I said, I heard all this hype beforehand so that might have uh, prevented me from enjoying it in full, but um yeah, mm-hmm. I don't I don't know, but Superior is the one where I like the look of it and I like the concept and I think the approach to it is very acutely funny at times. I just don't really think it adds up to a whole lot, but that could just be because huh. I saw it at a certain point in the festival, and I, I wasn't able to give it my full attention, and it just I, I just kind of took it at face value and just like, okay, whatever, and moved on, but I'm very curious. That's one of the ones I wanted to talk about you think the most, just because I just want to know what yeah. in particular about that film stood out and why you consider it one of the best of the best, because I'm not trying to be critical. I'm not trying to dismiss what you got of it. I'm just very curious to know what it is that you actually got out of the film.
0: Yeah, I mean, Superior is about it, it takes place in the 80s, and it's about a like pair of identical twins who basically switch places, but in the context of a crime thriller. And the twist is that like one of them knows it's a crime thriller and the other doesn't.
2: Yeah, I described it as Todd Salon's The Parent Trap, which yeah, I think yeah. is a fun way to <laughs> describe it, but may not Very be fun. fully accurate, but nevertheless, it's, go
0: ahead. It, it's a good starting point, sure. Um, yeah, and you you mentioned the look of it. That's a big part of it. I think that like the movie's willingness to embrace the tacky side of the eighties is very notable. Um, And at its core, it is a movie about like the polar ends of like liberating yourself versus constraining yourself and like the extremes of those two different things. And it's, it's one of those rare movies where you're actually able to have like almost a science experiment within a movie. It's like, if you put people in different roles, how do they come out of it? And what is the end result? And it's just, it's just the kind of movie where, as you're entertained by it, as you're like watching these performances and like entertained by even like the simplest things of like seeing a woman who is clearly like bored by her life, getting the most enjoyment of the world by working at an ice cream shop for a day. And like that to me is like entertainment of like, I just, that's how invested I was. I was like, I, I feel like this character needs to go on some sort of odyssey. And then she does. And then, yeah, it's, it's just one of those rare movies that, like, did not have to do a lot, I think, to get its point across. I mean, it sounds like it, it didn't get its point across for you, Will, but... Well, you know, I got
2: I... what the intent was. I mean, I, I, I get all that. I just didn't find that to be, I guess, as interesting or as vesting as you did, because I don't think it's doing anything that's particularly unique to this genre. But... Maybe. I
0: th- I think the, uni- the uniqueness is in sort of the, the gimmick, the concepts, and uh, I think, like, the overall presentation. I mean, if, if you distill it down to like what it's kind of as a, like what it is as a plot you know yeah. it's, it's a pretty generic thriller where but like I'm, you know persons yeah. on the loose and you know right. dangerous and yeah
2: but I'm talking like I'm not even talking from a like, story standpoint like the style of it is so downplayed and dry which I tend to like but I felt like for this type of film it felt so kind of downplayed to a point where I just don't really like I'm not quite sure what what all the filmmaker wanted the the film to achieve for the audience like I'm not 100% sure what it I think was, to, like
0: to get you to care about a world that is mundane and to like find the like, because I think you're supposed, you're either supposed to be connecting with Vivian or Marian. And if you're connecting with Vivian, it's because you recognize that there can be beauty in the mundane things. And if you're connecting with Marian, it's because you're feeling like the past is always coming back to get you. And it's like coming at the human experience from two different angles. And I think it pulls off both.
2: I guess I just, I felt like it's so divorced from any like, Tangible reality that I would know that it didn't. I didn't. I didn't get like any like meaningful life lessons out of it or anything like that. Like I, I think the themes that it discusses are fun to explore, but I don't really think it does anything that's terribly unique. Like it's kind of going for like a De Palma thing, which is fun. It's like kind of like De Palma by way of like Jared Hess. Um, even though I brought up uh, Todd Salons before, I think Jared Hess is maybe a little bit more apt in terms of like what the style is going for. But
1: um
0: yeah i mean spe- I, speaking of divorce yeah. i think poor Corey is just like you know
1: <laughs> yeah, sorry
0: mom dad please
1: stop fighting
2: <laughs> uh, we, no, I mean,
0: we bicker like yeah. sisters Corey, don't worry I,
2: know. I, I mean to me like like wild indians more the type of film where i'm like i have more of an active response in terms of like being like i just i don't don't get what what you two get out of the film uh if with the uh, superior i'm just kind of more like yeah i mean i, I can appreciate what's doing i just don't I, mostly I didn't get that much out of it, but I can, I can appreciate it aesthetically. I, I think it looks great, especially with the, um, 60 millimeter and all the sets, like the, the sets, uh, every one of those, I, I would love to just like live in there and just like spend an afternoon, just like hanging out in the, in the kitchen or like in the ice cream shop or whatever. I don't even like ice cream and I would like to like to uh, <laughs> spend some time in that place, but, um, maybe playing video games with the guy. But, um, yeah, I, I think I, I think it's admirable what it's doing. I, I like the style. I would love to see what she, the filmmaker, does next. But with this film, I just, I don't know. I, I always felt at arm's length with it in a way that clearly you were a lot more in it than I was, which is cool. I, I appreciate that you're able to get that much out of it. But for me, it yeah, just yeah. It felt lacking for some reason.
0: For for me, the emotion was in just like what it says about the contentment of life. Um, there was a lot of Pedro Almodovar in it that I felt was really like. Understated. I was wishing bit. it was
2: more of that. Like when I saw like the picture for it on the site, I was like, "Oh, this is going to be like Alain DeVar It's going to be fantastic." And I didn't, I didn't get that. I think much there was, the, but just not. Yeah.
0: It's not the flashy side of sure. his work. I think it's yeah. the more like calm and, uh, like I said, understated. You know, it's very, yes. very subtle with some of its points. But I, I, I can so. see why that would be straining for people. Some yeah. people, you know,
2: maybe I just like the flashiness of DeVar more than that that kind of mundane quality that he has. But uh I don't know. I mean. It's it's one night like I said. I don't feel like terribly strong about one way or the other in typical Will Ashton fashion. Um, I, I I think it's admirable what it's doing. Like I said, I just didn't I did get that emotional investment that you got of it. But that's fine. I mean, there's there's at least a few movies that I saw that I, I clearly had more of an emotional response to than you did. For instance, we're all going to World's Fair, which still unsettles me. Like I was thinking about it today, and I was haunted by it. And I guess for you that that, that you cut. I'm of like a I'm haunted
0: experience. by it. Okay. I'm I definitely am haunted by it. I just. Yeah, something about that movie just did not register as a, I'm glad I saw this haunted by okay. it. I, it's weird. Well, there um, you go. I mean, that's uh, <laughs> yeah.
2: that's where we, those are, I think, the main ones where we diverge too strongly. Like, everything else I think I at least like that you loved. Yeah, yeah we're, we're pretty
0: similar on most other things, sure. Sure,
2: but yeah, those are, those are like the three where we, we clearly had some divide, which happens when you watch 40-something movies in a week, but there you go.
0: All right, Corey, Will, and I kind of we went through our stuff. Um, so we'll take it back to you. Uh, let, let's let's wrap this thing up. Uh, go ahead and list uh just one or two more favorites. Um, that you just want to highlight, and then we'll we'll start to wind things down. for
1: Yeah, me. of course. Um, I, one of my legitimately favorite films I saw that whole festival was Flea. Um, I think Flea is marvelous. Like, just I I'm a really sucker good. for anim- animation. I don't. I've not seen Waltz with Bashir, so I am kind oh. of getting Very in. Good. Yeah, sure. I hear it's very, very good. I mean, I heard that was referenced a lot when talking about this film, since it's kind of taking on like a a documentary style with animation. Um, But I thought it was outstanding. I mean, just if you're looking at just such a fascinating, like, duality of kind of a young gay um, Afghan refugee who's coming out of the Mujahideen. And just his journey of what his, he and his family had to go through just to get on solid ground and just the ramifications of how he has to grapple with how he's weaved his own life's narrative as the years have gone on. And kind of, you know, the the, the dueling identity between who he becomes and what he is, uh, what he has been. Um, and just the just the tender the tender heart that it has for i think at times what very sadly gets politicized and just you know looking at people who are leaving countries and you know just kind of the hell they have to go through just to be able to say like i'm safe and i can be somewhere where i can kind of start again when the world that i'm in kind of falls apart um but i, I think it's marvelous like i think i'm really excited i'm i will see it again when they do the uh, version with uh, Rida ahmed voicing the main character when the english edition comes out um, but I, I think it's really, really good. And Neons picked it up; they're gonna know what to do with it. So I look forward to that film getting a big moment when it comes out. And um, you guys mentioned President, which I think is outstanding too. Like I think the, there's some of the documentaries that that's like, this, like I love Summer of Soul as well. So I the, some of the documentaries in this are just so, so, so good. And that one's about the election in Zimbabwe a couple of years ago and their attempt at having a free election after years under dictatorship and just the rigors of that some of the footage they get is outstanding and just terrifying and it's just such a relevant film for what we're going through now we've just been through for the last few months and um you know a couple other little ones i love jockey with clifton collins i thought he was great in that film i like Um, that one
0: it it was it wasn't as amazing but i i definitely can see why it's getting all the love i mean it's it's pretty good
1: and I guess the only other film I would bring up is just being like, I would hope people watch it when it comes out. Um, I really, really liked, I uh, like together together, but I think one of my favorite other narrative films was the new Ben Wheatley film in the earth. I find myself thinking about that one a lot. And I just, for movies that were made in the UK during the pandemic um, it is much, much, much better than lockdown, uh, which I think is a terrible movie. I just regret having watched that, but um, in the Earth is kind of like a annihilation meets Tin Cloverfield Lane with like some sprinkles of like midsummery folks horror put into it. um You know, I'm not quite as well versed in Ben Wheatley's filmography as others, but I'm really interested to go back and look now because of the way he kind of mixes in just this like mundanity of living through a pandemic and the tr- kind of the treading lightly ground we're all in right now but this is just like grand full quarter about our relationship with nature and the difference of people trying to find meaning at things at times that doesn't really have a lot which i think is what people can tend to do in moments like a pandemic and the extremes people will go to to try to reason in their mind why things are happening it's just I, it's a very compelling movie that I, I feel like gets better and better the more I'm removed from it. So I'm I'm excited it's
0: a, to see people. Big big improvement over uh, Rebecca, Rebecca his yeah. last film.
1: Um,
2: yeah, I mean, I, I the, the only thing I disagree with you, John, is that or John uh, with you, Corey, is that um,
0: you just want to disagree with me. Sure, well, it's like... <laughs> sure. It's just, it's in my nature.
2: Um, uh, yeah, it's like yeah, another thing, John. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I. I I I like uh, in the earth. I I definitely think it's a better film, like you said, than um, either Rebecca or Lockdown. But it's the one that I think of the ones I've seen at the festival. I, I've I've actually thought about the least. Like I kind of forgot about it until now. Um, in terms of like the, same here, yeah. Like I was like I like I like what it's doing. I just don't think it fully comes together until the end. Interesting. Like Man. um, and I think the end is just like hundred percent pure Wheatley, you know, nutsiness that I I really enjoyed. But I thought the buildup to it was this kind of like uh mixed bag. Like some of it's fun. I, there's like one supporting character in it. That's just so maniacally goofy that I, I, I appreciate a lot, but um, yeah, I, I, I appreciate the film. I like it. I, I definitely think it's a worthwhile watch. I just, I would say it's probably towards the middle of the ones I saw at the festival.
1: Fair enough. It's, it's weird. Like I, I feel like for pandemic content, because we know it's coming, like we know we're going to spend the next couple of years just, parsing through pandemic movies and eventually a film will probably win best picture that's about the pandemic you're gonna have great pandemic performances and crappy versions of it it's just i don't know it's just it's, it's just so interesting that yeah. this is kind of like the ground level films that we're gonna get and i i was very enticed by the way that it dealt with things and you know it's probably i think all the films that i mentioned are uh, on a different Plain but just it's just kind of because I watch it at midnight, so just for that midnight vibe and enjoying the movie right before I go to bed, like I, I, I dug it. I, and I, I hope that if people like that type of movie, that you, you see it because Neon will put it out sometime this year,
2: yeah. Um, and to answer your question, Corey, the movie you're talking about that's going to win Best Picture is Ron Howard's Fauci starring Tom Hanks. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh my gosh, um, okay, or Tom so...
1: Hooper, it could be Tom Hooper. <laughs>
0: Um, okay. Will Ashton, um, any, any last couple of favorites you want to mention before we, we finish this thing out? Uh, let's, let's, let's go. Let's hear all about it.
2: Yeah. I mean, the one, I mean, like we said, we mentioned president, which I, I agree with Corey. I think that's just a first rate journalistic account of, uh, the Zimbabwe 2018 government election. Uh, just, just harrowing stuff to watch. And I, I believe John, you got to sneak it in towards the end as well. So you have seen it. Um, I really like that one. I, I think. It's it's on the cusp of being great if we got a little bit more perspective from him. I think like he he seems like maybe a little bit the main the presidential candidate. I think I I kind of wanted to know a little bit more about him as a person beyond just like his political speeches and his um his interactions with his staff. But beyond that, I think everything it does is just incredibly well done. A lot of incredible footage. There's a a protest scene that's like some of the most like shocking, uh, documentary footage that I've seen in a good while. But um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, uh, in addition to those films that we mentioned, uh, one other documentary that I really like that, unfortunately, I think it's kind of getting a muted response from the rest of the festival. So this might just be more of a me thing. Uh, but I know Corey has seen as well, which is The Most Beautiful Boy in the World, which is the documentary about Bjorn Anderson. Uh, I, I might be uh, mispronouncing his last name, so I apologize. But um, primarily, he's known as the uh, child performer from death in venice uh the 1971 film i believe if i'm remembering correctly and uh it's just exploring his personal story from uh adulthood and as well as like a troubled childhood where he was never fully able to become a boy but he still wrestles with these things from his childhood so he can never fully become a man as well and it's such a beautiful very sad documentary that is told in this very uh Lyrical kind of poetic way that um, I can see it rubbing some people the wrong way because it has like this kind of uh, 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 whims or not whimsical, but like kind of like a like a uh, delicate approach that um, you know it it favors kind of like some like. flashy angles and stuff like that that I think might might take some people out if you don't like that in your documentaries. But um, I, I I thought it was really compelling and, and really enriching experience to watch. And uh, it was one I saw just before the festival began, earnest. And at the time, it was my favorite film at the festival before I saw it On the Count of Three. So that's one. I hope people find it. I hope people get as much out of it as I did but um, I know Corey, you you liked it as well, maybe not as much as I did, but I think to some extent you did as well, right?
1: I gotta say that one gets better as I get removed from it. Um, there is, it is haunting as hell. And it just so, I think eloquently breaks down just what fame can do, particularly at a time in the world where we really weren't able to ramp, you know, really, you know, see where the world was going. Like, cause I feel like, you know, obviously society I think went through a pretty major shift in 1970. And we kind of saw the world beginning to open up in new ways and just the way that, you know, that was such a horrible, horrible situation for that child to be in where obviously the tragedy that's going on with his mother and his grandmother kind of trying to kind of exploit him. I feel like is a, only way you can put it for you know his ability to be cast in this film and just the the loss that he suffers later in his life and just again you're right he, he's not able to grapple with the reality of what it means to go through life's natural progressions because his life has never been natural and it just i don't know i think it's very worthy of of watching as well as movies where will was talking about it and i was just kind of like i don't really know if that really seems like it's my thing but we're recommending movies for each other each week so that's what he recommended for me so i'm like yeah i'll give this a go um, and I actually really thought it was good, so I'm I'm really curious to see when it will find. It's like if it finds a good dis- distributor, it feels like a neon film to me. I really hope they pick it up because I think they'll they'll really get at the audience it needs. But I actually think it's quite good.
2: Nice. Um, other than that, my uh, my other big favorite from the festival was was one that Corey wasn't particularly f- fond of, but uh, John liked even more than I did, which is CryptoZoo, which I just mentioned uh, not too long ago, which is a a very bizarre, very beguiling animated film for adults. Uh very much for adults. Um don't don't bring the kids to this one, but um yeah, I, I think this one the more I think about, it, the more I appreciate its absurd, cute little qualities. And um I think Magnolia picked it up and I'm very curious to see what the response is to it. Uh, because it, it definitely got a divided response from the festival to the point where until John at i I'm like maybe I'm just like, you know, maybe I was just in a in a, in a daze when I saw it and I just, you know, got more out of it than I should have. But John suggests that not that was not only false, but I might have been underselling the film I think when so. I saw it. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, why don't you share your thoughts on that one, John? I, I'm very curious to see why why you're so high on it. I I, I think I know why, but I want to hear more from you.
0: Well, I <laughs> I am, I am very high on it. I, I just was watching it and I think like the world building in this is very, very unique. And it's it's just one of those movies where the more I learned about what was going on in this world and what these characters are up to and doing, the just the more I connected to it and like found a kindred spirit in it. I mean, the whole concept is that like, there are these like mythological creatures all over the world kind of disguising themselves it's like ugly americans kind of but also you know american dragon jake long like whatever take your pick of like a magical realism hidden world kind of concept but are the idea shows
2: hmm? are, you, oh, are these shows that you're referencing i am i'm referencing. Oh, okay I, uh, I don't know any of these things here. okay sorry <laughs>
0: But I, 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 okay. And the idea, of course, is that like, oh, these creatures exist, but they have to be in hiding because humans don't get them. But then it becomes like Jurassic Park in the sense where like this person is creating a zoo for cryptids called CryptoZoo, which uh, full disclosure, I thought this was a documentary about cryptocurrency before I watched it. So I was Did very really? surprised. OK, I mean I didn't know anything about it. So I was just okay. like oh, Crypto Zoo. I wonder what that maybe it's just about. The crazy Bitcoin crisis. You know, I don't. Know.
2: I would love to see what your response was to the opening scene. If that's the case,
0: <laughs> <laughs> I was. I was like, wait, <laughs> absolutely. I've heard wait. of sharing data, but this is ridiculous. <laughs> but yeah, no, I. Uh, yeah, that opening scene sets the tone quite well, I think, for like what you're in for. And I just, I, I saw uh, a man the Jedi who's been on the show before. She referred to it as a uh, Jurassic Park on acid. And that is absolutely accurate because it's the kind of thing where you're watching it, and there were so many times where like they were doing things with the animation. It, it's like paper, you know. It's it's not like super fancy, you know, animation. It's it's hand drawn sort of, but at times yeah. it's like stencils. It's the but- same
2: guy who made my entire high school was sinking into the sea. Which if, if anyone has seen that, it, it's exactly the same style. It's a little bit uh, goofier in its approach, but it's the same, definitely the same filmmaker in every respect. So
0: yeah. And and with this it's like it's just so endlessly creative. Like every scene was something new and different. You know, it's not just showing characters in a plane, it's like zooming in on the plane and then just like the panels of the plane disappear so you see them in the clouds. And I'm just like, this is like, this is what I want. (laughs) You know, I want scenes that try really hard and they go above the norm and they're not just trying to like recapture a feeling you've had before, but to sort of like place you into like a new zone of... Uh, just, like, whimsy. And, you know, it it has its times where... It has its moments where, it, yeah, it has its one-dimensional villains, you know? It has its, like, weird circumstances, but it always balances out with, like, really fun surprises and really good payoffs with, like, what these creatures do, how they get brought up and come back. Uh, there is a character, a standout character in here named Pliny, who is uh, just...
2: The hero of well, Sundance. The,
0: the hero of 2021 could be. Uh, so, yeah, I'm I'm just absolutely in love with crypto zoo i want to see it like so many more times i just it, it's my kind of jam it really is i i think that some people it just it's not their thing True. and i don't know what is but for me it is I, I don't know i think this is the one though, will where like i was very happy that i liked this you know even more than you did i like yeah. close to it you know because it's just such a wonderful little gem of a film and I'm so happy that uh, Dash Shaw was able to make it you know Mm -hmm. and that he was able to like really make something that he wanted to make I I get that 100% from him like I don't see like any compromises in the story or the characters any of it
2: yeah I mean even beyond the aesthetics of it I think what it says about like the uh, like like having a flawed eco culture like this kind of like liberal safe haven and the the, uh, like struggles of like balancing idealism with individualism is also really fascinating and inspired as well um, I mean, I think I don't know if a lot of people are going to get that out of it. Um, I, I think it's it's tackling a bunch of things uh, in terms of its thematics. But um, I, I think to agree with what you're saying, it's such an enveloping type film where it just felt like I was like transported into this like otherworldly place that was, you know, very acutely bizarre. But also um, I, I felt very fun and endearing. And uh, I can see why it's not working for everyone. It's definitely some people are very. Not a fan of this, which um, you know, teach their own. I, I'm I'm more disappointed than anything that some people aren't getting anything out of it. But, um, yeah, I mean, like I said, not not my absolute favorite of the festival, but some of my favorite moments in the festival by far, and and definitely one that if if there's like a handful of movies I want to revisit just to see if they match my initial uh, impressions, and this is certainly one of them. So, I, I was definitely a fan for sure.
0: Okay, I I only have one last film to talk about uh, in terms of my favorites. And Will knows what's coming. Um, I do. Uh, well, and I'm sure Corey oh, does sure. as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so one of the last films I saw at the festival, it was like right before I saw President. So it was the last day of the fest. <clears throat> was One for the Road, which I I will just say right here, the, this is like has gone down as like my the best movie I've ever seen out of Sundance. Um, my best like Sundance experience film. And I was thinking about it, and I think this is, like, my favorite, like, film in, like, several years. Like, there's just no film that has had an effect on me like this one has. So this one's from uh, Baz Poon Pira, who did uh, Bad Genius, one of my favorite films from 2017. And, like, I had heard, like, very, very negative things about this. Like, very mixed to, you know, middling, you know, some Bs and B-minuses, a lot of Cs and C-minuses. And I, I ended up watching it because uh, one, one, of, one of my friends on Twitter was like, oh, you know, I saw it. And it was actually one of my favorites of the fest. And I was like, oh, you know, I I was I was nervous because I was like, Oh, am I going to be disappointed? I really like this director, Bad Genius, which is a, such a great movie. Uh, is this going to be kind of like, you know, I saw the poster and I was like, I don't know, it just kind of looks like a ho hom narrative. I didn't know the story. I started watching it and it. I, it was slow to get into it in some, it's a two and a half hour movie. And I was kind of, you know, like, ah, oh, you know, I'll get through this. Like it's, you know, it's nothing special though. I, I didn't find myself very captivated. But then when the road trip dynamics kind of like kick in and there's a, there's a period in this movie where for me, it went from enjoyable or like moderately enjoyable straight to, oh my word, I'm loving this. And it, it's a movie that's kind of like, blending a lot of different sweeping emotional genres you know it's very melodramatic uh, it's very uh sappy and sanguine and some would say treacly um but for me i thought every single like overwhelming emotion in this movie was absolutely perfectly set up and deserved because i think it doesn't start off that way and i think it slowly does it and then just like it's like a roller coaster of like bringing you up and up and up and up. And then the film just like, goes way down. There's a section in this movie where I couldn't believe that it. It, it, it kind of became like another film. It kind of like went back in time and uh, it sort of just like reset what I was watching. And the end, the outcome of that is like the ending, which is just like one of my favorite movie endings now. Um, This is like one of my new favorite movies. I mean, I just I have that shot like stuck in my head, like it it won't get out. You know, Uh, this this is a Thai film like bad genius. It's it's wonderful just for the discovery of it, even if you don't like it even close to as much as I do. I think that people will have a lot to appreciate about like being able to explore Thailand in this new way. And, the, you know, seeing all these different locations and uh, kind of like examining the experience of like people who moved to America from Thailand and then what it's like going back. Uh, it's a movie about relationships and your exes and using like pop culture and even something like mixology and, uh, you know, making drinks uh, as a way to sort of like cope with heartbreak. I, it's, it's stuff like that that is just so original and so different that when I see I see these reviews and people are just sort of like, yeah, you know, this thing is just nothing. I don't feel anything, and I'm almost jealous because I, I ended this movie and I was like happy sobbing, you know. And I, I'm not, you know, I like I get emotional during movies. We've talked about it, um, but like this is the second time in a month that I've actually like sobbed during a movie, and it's the fir- these are the first two times I've ever sobbed. During films so yeah, that I'm, said i think this has something to do with me maybe, maybe I, I'm I think just you just need something. to see
2: i think you need to stop watching buddy co- comedy dramedies where <laughs> one friend has cancer i think they're, they're doing I something know. to you that, that that that's very upsetting and concerning that i, I think you just kind of need to, to figure that out on your own
0: perhaps perhaps uh, I, I, I genuinely I, that, that is the Weird connective tissue. I I don't have can't you know that's not like something that's affecting me directly right now. So, you know, for anyone. I was who's honestly going to ask I,
2: that because I was like, is this like something your personal like that I need to know about? It's not.
0: It's not. Okay. No, no, and I I, I definitely don't want anyone to get that impression because it's definitely not the case. But no, I just I think the universal themes of it. It has nothing to do with the like the terminal illness. It's all about. I, I think I'm a sucker for films that are mainly about friendship. It's why I really like Together Together you know that was such a funny movie but also such a great message about friendship and this one i think is working on the same level and like you know i just like the movie that can do both it can have what i like about romantic movies um but mixes it with like heartbreak and it mixes it with friendship and it mixes it with like broken friendship and it does all these things at once and that's why i just think that it's like a tremendous masterfully done film and uh, i'm just in love with it so i yeah, I this this is this is gonna end up being like my rare like A plus film um that uh i I feel very happy about dishing because it's uh it really is that for me. And I'm like genuinely upset that I can't rewatch it already. Like I've have been like sitting here being like I want to watch it again and calling the reps and <laughs> Huh
2: talk like calling the reps and talking to people at Sundance <laughs> yeah. and having sternly worded phone calls and all that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah yeah. Play Ya Ding Dong. Yeah. Um but no Will I think I think in your review you said that you liked it even more than I did.
2: I mean yeah, as much as one can can like something more than you did. But um
0: <laughs> Wow. I, you hear that, Corey? Uh, it's full blast. Full blast. That was
1: that was snarky.
0: <laughs> All I'll
2: say is I, I, I did like the film. I, I I don't have that emotional connection to it that that you did. Um I wish I did. Uh, I, like I said before and earlier in the episode, I think I don't know, maybe it was just because I saw it at the very almost tail end at the festival. Um, and like I, I maybe if I was a little bit more uh, uh, animated and, and able to kind of look at this film in a like, theatrical way, I could maybe get as much if not. You know, I don't know if I can get even get more out of it than you did. But um, uh, I, I, I there's a lot I like about it. I mean, visually, it looks splendid. Um, I do like the playfulness of the approach the two lead performances i think are quite good um and i i definitely appreciate all the little nods and winks to um i i hope i pronounce this right wong kar-wai's uh filmography yeah. um he's a producer on the film one of the rare films that he's produced that he didn't also direct um which is pretty fascinating i'm very curious to know how that came about but um there's certainly a lot of nods to his films that i think are fun there's also a nod to john wu's film that, that i was like oh, okay Yes, John Woo likes doves. But um <laughs> uh I don't know. I mean, I think for me what, what kept me from loving it was the middle, which I felt kind of felt a little bit repetitious to me in a way that 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 made me feel the weight of it and and, and I think kinda of took a little bit out of my uh goodwill out of it. But um I I think this is gonna be one of the biggest crowd pleasers that comes out of the festival. And I think in a traditional year, like I can't imagine going from coda to one for the road. And just, like, having such an overwhelming kind of emotional experience from both those films. uh, I think, John, you would have to, like, collect yourself, I think.
0: <laughs> it's a good uh, thing I watched one at the very beginning and one at the very right. end. <laughs> um,
2: But, yeah, no, I, I definitely liked it. I mean, I, I I think it's a good film. I enjoyed it. And maybe if I revisit later down the road, I'll, I'll be closer to where you are. But as it stands, uh, I like it. Yeah
0: all right i'm sure there is way more we could talk about there's tons of movies we other movies we saw are good movies that we just don't even have time um, to even get into um you, this
1: is have, terrible i feel like i'm, I'm ter- hijacking the conversation here i feel like uh, we have to say something about like, that a new edgar wright film played at sundance uh that's
0: true. sparks brothers yeah i like, didn't see it though you two did and you said good things about it so yeah i
2: liked it
1: i did i liked that and it's just so weird that like Right. It's like legitimately one of my favorite filmmakers working of anything. And like this is his first new movie in like four years. And like it's just such a fascinating discussion about this band that like never got any sort of prominence, but has always seemed to be ahead of the curve of like paving the way for others. It's kind of like your favorite musician's favorite musician, I suppose. But um, I just I feel like we needed to like at least briefly mention that like Edgar Wright made a, like a, a gigantic fan documentary. For like like what seems like his favorite band, I suppose, and that like it's probably going to like explode this band's relevancy later in its career. And um, the new Leo Carrass film, um, uh, Annette with Adam Driver, these are the guys that are doing the music for that. So um, yeah. I I'm I'm very curious what life that film is going to have because we basically get two Edgar Wright movies this year, which is a very nice kind of reward for having survived yeah. the last year. But I feel like that's like if I had to bring one more movie up, that'd be it.
0: Yeah. Like I said, there's just so many. And I think like one of the last things I'll say before we have to close it out here. I think that uh, if you've never attended Sundance or been into the Sundance scene, I think that like and if let's say it's virtual again next year for whatever reason, I think it's really important people prioritize documentaries because I think the documentaries tend to be the more likely good movies at Sundance, I think is pretty fair to say, because I think Sundance has the reputation where it's like it's where like the best documentaries tend to come out in a given year. Um, It's just, it's a very documentary focused festival. There's obviously a lot of other great stuff, but uh, if you're interested in some dance or if you're interested in like maybe watching some things for yourself after the fact, the documentaries tend to be just really good bets. Um, And we didn't even cover like a a morsel of of the ones that are really good.
2: Yeah, I mean, I will say I, I agree with you, but I also say don't, at least from my experience, don't schedule like four documentaries in a row yeah, it because is a little tough to do that. <laughs> I, it's, it gets a little exhausting after a while because so many of these documentaries are emotionally intensive and, uh, you know, true to life in obvious ways and stuff. So, uh, you know, definitely seek them out, but maybe squeeze in a, uh, you know, a Black and white narrative film about, uh, you know, a, a woman or man living their life and and uh, enjoying themselves in between. So,
0: I, I <laughs> thought least... you were talking about passing just because you know, <laughs> uh, no, I,
2: that, that my my joke there is that there are at least three films at the festival yeah. I saw this year that were slice of life, black and white period films. That dog <laughs> to be quiet, yeah, or... yeah, the dog wouldn't be quiet, uh, El Plantea and um,
0: Esa Planeta,
2: yeah, there you go, and uh, passing, I still yeah. haven't
0: seen that in Rita Moreno, I, I'm so behind,
2: yeah. Oh, yeah. I forgot about Rita Miranda. I, I complete. I, I was like, I might check that out later and then just never, never had a chance to check that out. But I'm sure it was fine. I'm sure it was even good. But. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I, I'm very interested in it because it's a back, it's definitely tied to my background, and my interests. So, yeah, Um. alas, that is all the time we have for our Sundance 2021 recap. And of course, throughout the year on Cinemaholics, we're going to be talking about, uh, you know, these films and more uh, throughout the year. So this was just kind of our early teaser. Hope you got something out of it. Uh, before we go, Corey Woodruff, where can people find you online if they want to uh, see more of what you're up to?
1: You can find me on Twitter at Corey Woodruff 47. Um, I'm going to be writing up my entire experience for this for the Nashville scene, um, which is the alt-weekly here in Nashville, where I'm an employee of the publication where we're all kind of the same house, so I'm cool. um, excited to do that, and uh, you can see me interacting with John and Will, obviously, since we <laughs> all have the you know camaraderie of uh being gigantic dorks so um you know it's that's 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 where i am um and uh and then constantly annoying will with every time i have a movie idea i text him and he's very gracious to always
0: <laughs> play completely <cable>. decline yes oh <laughs> uh, man um thank you corey for joining us as always you can yeah. catch me and will on the, the main show with abby al chessie mm-hmm. um and follow us on twitter as usual in the in the, the show links. And uh, I think that'll do it. All right. Well, from the internet, California, I am John Negroni. From the
2: internet, Pennsylvania, I'm Washington.
1: From the internet, Nashville, I'm Corey Woodruff. See you next time.